Good morning, everyone. Joining us today is Juno Assemblymember Michelle Hale. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Kevin, and thank you for having me. Well, I trust you got an opportunity to participate in celebration. You know, the nice thing is that my shop is right downtown on Ferry Way, so I could just uh. pop out of the shop and see what was going on. It was really, really wonderful. And also, because I'm right downtown, lots of people came in, and I just got to be part of the excitement of celebration. And there was the arts campus opening, the landing. There was a lot going on. A lot going on. And that arts campus is phenomenal. And some of those totems, all of the totems, it's just amazing. So SHI, Sea Alaska Heritage Institute, has done a really amazing job with that campus. It's really a, a highlight of our downtown. Very good. So... Michelle, before we go into the details of the night's meeting, let's take up the short-term rental discussion. As far as the scope of rentals, we don't have a firm number in Juneau, do we? We don't have a firm number, and um, we we have a, a number of entities that are paying sales tax on short-term rentals or are registered to pay sales tax, but that's just the business entity. So if there's a business that has several short-term rentals, we don't know how many that is. And we also don't know, we we have a sense that there are people that offer short-term rentals that aren't signed up for sales tax, perhaps don't have a business license. So we don't know how many they have either. So one of the things that we talked about, and this and, was- and, and this was 170, right? 170. Or, uh, yeah. 170 businesses signed up uh, to pay sales tax. And and that number increased from an earlier number. And part of the question is, did that number increase? Because some people are offering short-term rentals for Ironman coming up uh, later this summer. Uh, Assemblymember Treem uh, suggested that and actually introduced the idea of having an ordinance drafted where we actually can get some information on how many short-term rentals there are in Juneau. So there are actually companies who do this, you know, on contract where they basically work on the web and they figure out how many units there are for sale in Juneau. And that's not necessarily easy. It's not something, I mean, we could have our staff do it, but they'd be spending a whole lot of time because people list on multiple listing services. So they might be listed on VRBO and the same unit might be listed on Airbnb, you know, and there's a lot of different listing services. So the first thing that uh, Assemblymember Treem said we should do, and we all agreed, is let's get some information. So I was really pleased that she put that out there. So so the city's now going to try to monitor all those listings or at least try to get a sense of how many listings there are that's right and and what what we did is we proposed we asked staff to draft several ordinances and i think this was one of them um we have to appropriate the money and i think the top dollar amount is like twenty thousand dollars to actually figure out how many units there are um so i think what we've got right now is a an ordinance being drafted um so that we can pick this up again later so as i understand it the state has no regulations other than requiring a business license which leaves the regulating to you right and and i think you know as we were talking earlier you know honolulu has regulations wasilla has regulations paris has regulations i mean everywhere you go in the world there are uh, airbnbs or short-term rentals for rent people rent out their apartments and their homes and 
across the United States and in the world, people are trying to figure out how to come to grips with this. And it's complicated, Kevin, and it's not, it's, it's, it's not so simple. For, the mayor made the point at the meeting last week when we were talking about this that uh, don't think that short-term rentals are all bad. We need short-term rentals for our legislators and legislative staff. So it, we need to figure out how to balance because obviously we also desperately need housing for people who work and live in Juneau. And it, so it, it kind of cuts both ways. And so with that in mind, as well as the other regulatory options, like you mentioned, yes, there was Wasilla, Washington, and Honolulu presented at the meeting. What of those blueprints stuck out to you? What, what aspects of those regulations stuck out to you? I think not looking at, at anything specific, I think what I've seen in the regulations kind of across the board is communities um, recognizing that a, a, a relatively light touch is important and probably important for the very same reasons that I just mentioned. Um, just because something is a short-term rental doesn't mean it's bad. There are some real, there's some real good that comes of it. So uh, different communities have different time limits that define short-term rentals. That's one thing to look at. And I, I think the, the real lesson and, you know, Honolulu, as we were talking about earlier, they've been evolving this for a long time. They've been at it for a long time and they keep evolving it. Yeah. Since the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, and we have, we have regulations on the books that are outdated and they don't really apply to short-term rentals. It's more part of the zoning. So um, we need to step, we need to dip our toes into this water and start to work on it. At the same time, continuing our work at finding ways of developing more housing in Juneau. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we have to have a multi-pronged approach uh, to, to that at the same time. We may be getting a little ahead of ourselves here because there was a discussion there during the meeting, too, of whether or not this even should be regulated. Is this something is short term rental something that should be regulated by the city? Well, it, given uh, given the the situation that we've got right now, which is there are people I, I was at a chamber board meeting and there was a, a young woman with the Coast Guard at the meeting and she's staying in a hotel through July through mid July before she can get a place to live. So there are people who want to buy houses or want to rent apartments in Juneau that can't. They're aren't available right now and that's really important for our economy it's important for our schools you know it's important that people that want to be here and that are really essential for our economy and for our city are able to be here so um but as i said and i think uh, assembly member Treem was right on it's like we got to get some idea of what numbers we're talking about first it was really surprising to me when i was campaigning uh for my first election i was out in and I won't say what part of town it was, but it was a part of town with some very nice houses. And uh, I knocked on one door and uh, uh, somebody answered the door and said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not from here. I'm just renting the house. And so this was a great big house, very nice house. And they were renting the whole house as a short-term rental. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a house that Juno residents aren't living in. I imagine this this is going to be a topic discussed for a while. And you're you're the chair of the housing and lands and resources, or not resources. My apologies. I'm still getting out of legislative session. Housing, lands, and economic, economic development. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
Do you see this topic being taken up in that committee? So right now, it, it kind of started at the Committee of the Whole, and I think because the entire Assembly is so interested in this, and, and it's not just that the Assembly just wants to take up this topic, there's a lot of conversation bubbling about this right now. We get a lot of emails, um, so I don't, I mean, we might certainly a lot of times what we'll do is we'll we'll take up an issue as an entire assembly and then we'll bring it back for updates to the committees and so that might be where it ends up but right now it's going to stay with the committee of the whole in the assembly mm, very good so on city hall the there hasn't been a final decision made yet but there's a funding ordinance on tonight's agenda tell us about that so there's a 6.3 million dollar uh, funding ordinance and a couple of months ago we moved quite a few uh, funding ordinances to we had a, a, a fund balance and we wanted to make sure that we were applying that fund balance to things that we needed like school roof replacement um, so we moved quite a few ordinances but we held a couple of, aside we held the 6.3 million for a new city Hall aside, and we also held a $1.5 million for IT infrastructure upgrades. So both of those are um, their ordinances that are on the docket tonight, and we'll, uh, we'll address those tonight. The $6.3 million um, for a new city hall is uh, it's a way of sort of forward funding that new city hall and it also kind of reduces the price tag and the sticker shock if that new city hall does end up going on the ballot in the fall. So, um, and I think the mayor said earlier, even if that new city hall doesn't go on the ballot or doesn't pass, we still need that money for upgrades to our existing city hall. Um, I. Uh, Director Kester of Public Works and Engineering estimates that we'll need $12 million for repairs to our existing city hall. And that has been kind of kicked down the road as we've been exploring a potential new city hall. Those are uh, desperately needed upgrades. Um, It's it's looking pretty shabby right now. And from what I understand, the total figure for a new city hall would be $41 million, right? $41 million, Or at least that's the top price. If we include uh, underground parking, and the, I think the assembly is, is generally in favor of underground parking. Um, if, if you're going to build a new building and you don't put underground parking, you lose that opportunity forever. You don't get to go back and do that. So I don't know if people have been to the new museum, but the there's really great underground parking there at the new museum. So it would be similar to that. Uh, I think the underground parking cost is $3.3 million. So um, if we didn't add that, then that would bring it down to about $38 million. Yeah, I was looking at one of the maps that were presented during the meeting, and it's right there in, in the outer Centennial Hall parking, like across the street from the library. I think if I'm looking at it right behind the jack. So that's where we'd be looking at the at the city hall. They took some time to get to this location. What do you think of it, seeing it in this form? I, I really like the idea. Where it is is in the old public safety building, the old state public safety building in the state. Uh, we, the CBJ ended up getting that property from the state. Obviously, we used that as a warming shelter for a while. Now it's a parking lot. Uh, I think it's a great location. I, I think it really works well with that new museum there uh, depending on what happens with the uh, with the jack or the um, centennial hall I mean it sort of creates a sort of a central 
city location and I really like the location. We we looked at a variety of, of places and there's arguments for all of them. You know, one of the uh, thoughts was the property that had been available out by Safeway, mm. um, but that property has been purchased now. Another thought, people, a lot of people said, well, what about the Kmart building in Lemon Creek? And uh, apparently the, the Kmart building, the problem with that kind of building is they don't translate to other buildings very well. Mm. But I also like the idea of developing in Lemon Creek because uh, that's a an important part of our, our community and we don't we don't put enough focus there um, but in the sort of the law another idea was to build on top of the new parking garage not new but the newer parking garage to me, that creates a lot of access issues, even if it's only access issues uh, in, in our imagination. That sometimes um, that that sometimes is enough. So I really like the idea of where we're talking about, and I think that um, uh, particularly by adding underground parking, um, I think it's a good idea. It's also near, you know, uh, 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 Central Council, Clinkett High to Central Council has purchased two buildings in that area. So it's near them as well. And so I think that I like that as well, sort of co-locating with them. So before we go to a break, I, I, had, I was hoping you could, uh, you could humor me for a moment, because what's stopping you from taking all this info and just picking it up for another day? Is there a sense of urgency, would you say, in this project? I would say yes, there is a sense of urgency and it's that $12 million price tag on City Hall, uh, on our existing City Hall. You know, in the presentation last week, we saw different City Halls and I I traveled, I was in Astoria, Oregon um, earlier this year and in Newport and they have beautiful City Halls in these small, smallish towns and we have a kind of a it's not a beautiful city hall there's a beautiful mural on it but it's not a beautiful city hall it serves its purpose it serves its purpose sort of because people are spread out in a bunch of different buildings and we have high rental costs because of those different buildings Mm. i also think that you know right now we have bonding capacity so we have used up we have paid for a lot of the things that we've bonded for like the thunder mountain high school we've paid for a lot of those things and we actually have bonding capacity right now. So a new city hall bond ordinance would not require property taxes to go up at all. It would be able to use that existing bonding capacity. And I just don't think we should put it's for me, it's a little bit of a good money after bad to put all that money into repairing our city hall rather than bite the bullet and move forward on a new one. Mm. And I think Juno is the capital city and deserving of it. Well, very good. Well, we'll have more after the break. Stay tuned. And we're back with Juno Assemblymember Michelle Hale. We touched on some of the topics slated for tonight's meeting, that being the, that being the, my apologies, <laughs> Michelle, what is exactly on tonight's meeting? I know the budget is. The budget is on tonight's meeting. Um, and the mill rate is on tonight's meeting. And the other things uh, that we touched on briefly are the 6.3 million for city hall and the 1.5 million for, um, for IT infrastructure upgrades. And those are both both ordinances that are up for public hearing and passage or not passage. Thank you for that. And on this budget, I understand it doesn't propose any new revenues or taxes, does it? 
That's right. So we talked about um, sales tax, removing sales tax on food and some potential ways of filling that hole. Um, but that's not on, we're not, we're, we're not actually going forward with that. So that's not on tonight's budget. Um, we or that's not on the budget tonight. So it's a, it's a pretty standard budget. I mean, I always, you know, budgets fluctuate and there's some, some new expenditures and, and differences in, in what the estimated, estimated revenues are, but it's not, there's nothing new. And on top of that, the mill rate remains the same from the pandemic adjustment. What's your hope with that figure of 10.56? Do you expect it to stay there? Or I, I do expect it to stay there. So okay. um, I, I, I don't... I don't expect us to, to move off of that. Um, the manager's budget had increased that by 0.1 mil, and we dropped that back down again, just as we did last year. So last year, we had dropped that down by 0.1 mil. Um, part of the reason for that is that we have fund balance so that we can, it gives us a little bit of wiggle room. Um, part of the reason is that um, as we have heard a lot, people's assessed values, a lot of people's assessed values went up, and so that increases their property tax, uh, even if the mill rate doesn't go up. And and it's a very small amount, that 0.1 mil, but I think it's important that we, we, we really work at holding the line on that and we really work at watching what's going on so that we can, if possible, drop that even further in the future. Mm. And we're still waiting on word from the school bond debt funding. What impact would that have on the budget? So uh, on the on the budget, it wouldn't have a significant impact, no impact really. But on because that budget is up to be passed tonight, and as the mayor said this morning, uh, if it's not passed tonight, then we would revert to the manager's budget. And we worked very hard for the last couple of months on this budget. We don't want to do that. Um, but what it would have an impact on is our fund balance. And uh, that is money that statutorily CBJ was owed and we did not get that money. So, uh, you know, often people will say that we are deser- we deserve a statutory dividend. Well, statutorily, uh, when a community takes on school bond debt, the state by statute is supposed to reimburse that money. And the state hasn't done that for several years. And so this is to make us whole from that reimbursement. And uh, in, in my mind, one of the things that I have asked Chair Treem of the Finance Committee to do, and she's agreed, is look at our fund balance with sort of a broader lens than the way we normally look at it. So that if we have fund balance, that gives us room to make decisions so that for some to make decisions that might impact our finances, but we can wait and see and and before we actually uh, address what the impact is. Can I give an example, Kevin? Sure, yes. So an example is removing the sales tax on food. Yes. So that's going for an advisory vote. Um, we, we think it is. We haven't actually set it for the... for the. Um, that's still in discussion. That's still in discussion. We're still working on it. But what we have decided is that we're not going to actually uh, put that on the ballot as a decision, but rather as an advisory vote. If uh, one thing that we've talked about is it would leave and if we remove sales tax on food, that would uh, remove approximately six million dollars of revenue. Um, But we don't know what that number actually is. And my my hope is in that conversation about fund balance, um, we could we could, for example, remove sales tax on food in the future and. see what happens before we decide we have to make it up. 
because you haven't gotten that revenue yet so you you don't actually know how much you're going to get we don't know what the revenue will be precisely and we don't so we don't know what the impact will be and in any given year when we set a budget we set a budget based on estimated revenues estimated sales tax revenues, estimated property tax revenues. We're usually pretty close on property tax because we set the mill rate and we know the assessed value. Sales tax, it's, we, you know, our finance director does the best job he can, but it's always an estimate. So- And coming uh, out of a pandemic. And coming out of a pandemic, you know, we don't know, we don't know what people's spending is like. We don't know what people's spending, what the people on the cruise ships, what their spending will be like. We don't know how the cruise ship season is going to go. So there's a lot of unknowns moving into this year and fund balance allows us a little bit of room to address those unknowns well it looks like we're already out of time here but i wanted to touch on one thing which is on the consent agenda there's a resolution there marking pride month in juno are there thoughts you'd like to share on that I think it's, I, I think Juno was a leader when we passed an anti-discrimination ordinance years ago. Uh, Senator Keel was uh, very uh, important in that anti-discrimination ordinance. Um, Juno is, a, uh, Juno has an incredibly active and engaged um, LGBTQ community. I, I, I'm, I'm proud of us for being engaged. I'm proud of that ordinance being there. I'm planning on attending some of the festivities. So um, I'm, I just, I, I'm, I'm really uh, proud of us as a community um, and so grateful to our very strong, our SIGLA community, our, our, our very strong LGBTQ community in Juneau. All right. Very good. Well, I would ask you if there's anything you'd like to add, but we are out. But thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. And that's the program. Thank you all for tuning in this June 13th. The Department of Labor is on our next program, and they've got some data on housing and other data you might want to hear. So be sure to tune in. In the meantime, this is June 13th, and I'll see you on the 14th.